Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Three Point Jesus podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sam, along with uh, my co-host, Jay. And Jay, we're talking about a win this week. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been uh, a month and a day uh, since Notre Dame's last win, uh, but they, they beat Virginia Tech on Saturday, 74-66. There was another game this week. Don't worry. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that a little bit to the extent that we <laughs> you know, are, are legally uh, obliged to. But, um, but yeah, no, this is more fun, I think, when we're talking about a win. Don't, don't you agree? You know, just a smidge. Um, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk some Duke. I think there was actually some more encouraging things that I would have anticipated. Um, kind of looking back and reflecting, but man, it, Marcus Burton is so fun. Yeah. Um, if there's one takeaway from this week, man, he is such a fun player to watch, and I'm excited we get a couple years of him at, at minimum, um, if not maybe all three or four, um, to uh, watch him grow and develop. Yeah, yeah, I, and I feel like I'm sort of I'm sort of torn on Marcus Burton. In that, I think, you know, as this program develops, as the as as you know, Micah sort of builds builds the program out to what he wants it to be, and, and you know, there's more talent around Marcus Burton. I think what's asked of him is hopefully going to go down. Like his usage rate will not be as high. I hope, or I think, on a good Notre Dame team, on like a tournament team, as it is um, on this team, just because you know there there isn't much around him. But at the same time, I almost like it's almost more fun just to like watch him do his thing and and having his um <laughs> having him like be asked to do less, even if it's gonna re- probably result in better basketball. There's a part of me that like doesn't want to see it because I just want to see him, you know, do do what he can do, like he did these last couple of games. Do Marcus Burton things, man. When he's not turning the ball over, he, he, I mean, he's he's a top ten player in the ACC. It feels like truly, yeah. Yeah, uh, which may say more about the ACC, uh, or at least just as much about the ACC um, right. as Marcus Burton. But you know, I, I think he's just like he's getting so much smarter, and you know, just the, you can see him growing from game to game, from week to week. Um, you know, knowing when to when to do that sort of like little pull up fade that that he hits, you know, so well. Um, you know, versus I, I think. It's sort of it's sort of been like a pendulum swing of like I think early on in his career his career I mean this season you know he, he was sort of more inclined to always try to kind of take it to the hoop and finish through traffic yeah. you know that 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 worked well for a little bit then it didn't and then he sort of switched back to sort of relying more on this little pull up and I and I think now you're sort of seeing a little bit more of him you know understanding when it makes sense to to try and go to the rack and 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 finish at the hoop and when it does make sense to pull back and and you know being able to keep the defense off balance is how you're going to be able to make both approaches more effective and you got to credit shrews too right i mean he's he has clearly coached marcus in a way to help him adjust to the difficulty of the acc mm-hmm. i think we've clearly seen you know we talked two pods ago about is he hitting a wall the rigors of carrying a team on your back that's not very good and the mental strain of all that and look how he's rebounded in the last, you know, four or five games. Um, been basically his best play of the year, in my opinion. Um, you're seeing much more under control. That pull-up is lethal as a lifelong Pistons fan. Uh, the Rip Hamilton-esque uh, mid-range J is just beautiful to watch as something that not a lot of players excel at. Um, so you got to credit Shrews for, for probably helping him through that adjustment as well. Yeah, and I think that's one thing, and maybe we can talk about this a little more, and I think we will as we get into some other players. But I do think that... Um, and Shrews talked about it a little bit after the Virginia Tech game, but one thing that 
you know, it's sort of hard to quantify, but I think we're really starting to see is like the individual improvement of these guys. You know, it's not just, I think we talk a lot about, you know, they're young, they'll get more experience, um, they'll learn how to play with each other more, but they're also just going to become better basketball players. And, and that's really what we're seeing with, with Burton. I think you're seeing it with Braden Shrewsbury, um, you know, as he sort of develops his game a little bit more. We saw it a lot, I think, with Kerry Booth this week. Like, he, he made some strides. Even even with Kevin Jai, who, you know, I think played his best game of the season against Virginia Tech. I think, you know, seeing those guys develop their skills is, um, again, going to be just as important as, like, gaining experience and learning to play together when it comes to turning this team into, you know, what we what we hope it's going to be. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's, it's truly... God, it's amazing. it's so much more fun to talk about a team that <laughs> that can pull off a win, uh, picking off the bottom half of the fat middle that you love to uh, to talk about. Yeah, uh, they did ju- they did just that on, on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And it it made me it made me think uh, maybe maybe this off season we should do like a, a a game rewatches or something. Go back and watch the old uh, you know the fifteen team or something to to sort of you know. Get get that back in our back in our veins a little bit, so we can get ready for for what it's like to watch a good team again. Um, but speaking of the 2015 team, one of the low moments of that season was a trip to Cameron. You see that segue? I'm pretty proud of that. Um, wow, <laughs> one of the low points of that season was obviously a, the, the trip to Camden, uh, Cameron Indoor when they lost by I think it was a 20 point loss down there. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, similarly, this uh, 2024 iteration of the Irish went down to Cameron Indoor on Wednesday night, um, you know, lost 71-53 in a game that, um, you know, was sort of defined by uh, basically nine-minute scoring drought in the first half. I think other than, <laughs> other than that, uh, I thought Notre <laughs> Dame played pretty well, uh, which is a real, like, you know, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Um but uh, you know, Marcus Burton had 19. Braden Shrewsbury had 13. No one else had more than six. Um, you know, this this one is sort of. Um, I know you had some positive takeaways. For, for me, this is sort of like you, you never expect. You can only expect so much when you go down to Cameron, um, especially playing a Duke ke- team that was you know going to be pissed off coming off a loss to Carolina. In retrospect, that was like the worst possible timing for this team to get them. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just the, the, the watching Notre Dame fight back after that, that rough first half to kind of stay in it. They had a couple of um, good looks from three that would have cut it to six, but, but couldn't get any to fall. Um, and so, you know, you, you, no moral victories, but um, you, you're happy this one didn't turn into like a 30-point loss or something, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was a game going in where we, we figured, yeah, they're probably going to lose by anywhere from 10 to 20 points. That's exactly where the score wound up. Um, I think it adequately displays the disparity in talent among these two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Notre Dame hit a few shots early, and then Duke took a lead, you know, basically two, three minutes in the game, and it was never truly in doubt at any point from there forward. Yeah, the nine-minute scoring drought is probably going to cost you against everybody, let alone at Cameron against Duke. Um, side note, Jimmy Beheim, what, what are we doing here? Oh my God. That it broadcast was, was awful. Oh my it God. Was so, it was so, so bad. bad. Um, I, I, I can't believe Jim Beheim at his age, he must just not love spending time with his wife. If he's going <laughs> to sign up to be that high up at Cameron on a Wednesday night. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. Well, at least we had the um, pleasure of, of Corey Alexander as well. Ugh. Oh yeah. What a, what a great <laughs> They really bounce off each other's. Um, I, I, Sam and I were talking pre-pod, and um, 
I kind of said the only thing that um, big picture takeaway from this for me is Marcus Burton did not play like a freshman at Cameron Indoor, and that's not nothing. Um, he's he's shown really good and improving composure in you know what's arguably the hardest, most iconic road venue to play in um, on a team that's not good. Um, so that's that's impressive stuff for, from a true freshman. You know, three three months into their tenure. Yeah, I think I think you talk about the composure. You're really starting to see after that stretch in mid January when the turnovers were really becoming a problem. You know, the the seven against BC, eight against Miami. Um, you know, I mean, three at UVA. Although the turnovers were a broader issue, obviously down in Charlottesville. And then none against Pitt, and only three, like you said, only three in Cameron um, against against Duke for Mar- Marcus Burton. Um, you know, that's a place that uh, you know. We're gonna hope he he goes down and wins at some point. Wins in a big game. Wins in a big spot. Um, so I think I think you're right to see him, uh, you know, not be phased there and um, and play pretty well and play under control even when you know the the, the game clearly wasn't going in Notre Dame's direction. Um, definitely, you know, a, a good takeaway from a game that I think uh, when I look back on this season will will be one of the last <laughs> will be one of the last I remember just in terms of how how quickly it seemed like it was over and uh, the circumstances at hand. Yeah, I mean, it just it to me just felt a little bit different than like Marquette early in the year, yeah. where it was like they were just so in fuego. I was like, okay, just one of those nights. This game, you know, you look up at half and they were only down eight, and it's like, really? I mean, they played kind of like garbage and had that big nine minute stretch where they didn't score. So I don't know. I I wasn't as discouraged maybe as I feel like you might be, um, but yeah, certainly not not a super positive experience, but. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the the Burton takeaway was kind of important. But yeah, it, you know, Sean Stewart uh, blocks. I think it was Jr. on what should have been like a dunker lay-in. Goes down the floor, gets an alley oop, and that was kind of to, to spark that nine-minute scoreless stretch for the Irish. And it was kind of like, okay, we're done here. But, yeah. Uh, you know, they they continue to at least play basketball and care about <laughs> the game. So so that was that was nice. Yeah, and I I wouldn't sh- I, I wouldn't say I was discouraged per se. I I just felt like. Other than Burton's play, I don't know that we learned a whole lot about this team um, from yeah. in the Duke game. I think a lot of the, the issues that that sort of cropped up early were still there, um, and you know it's good. It, I, I also don't want to discount like getting back into it because I do think that um, you know we talk a lot on this program about like just don't be Louisville bad. Um, and I think one of the sort of hallmarks of the teams that really get into that like. <laughs> like too bad to be fixed cycle of like Louisville or Kevin Stallings era pit is like, they just give up. And I, and I think you're seeing like this team, it, it would have been fine. That may, you know, expected for them to be like nine minutes scoring drought. We're at Cameron playing a pissed off Duke team. Hey, let's meet everyone on the plane. We'll see you Saturday. And that's not what happened. Um, and, and so I think like that's a situation where like, even a, even a, a, even a good team might have might have called it a game, and this team didn't. So I, I think I think there is a lot to take away from that. Yeah, and to come off of a game like that, um, where you know all intents and purposes the game felt over for most of the period of time, to then flip around and turn it around and, and win your third ACC game on Saturday, um, that's that's good coaching, and I think that's um, it. Sh- it shows that the team is able to keep a competitive mindset and attitude um, even when they know day in day out they're probably not going to win a lot of ball games yeah yeah and I think with that 
yeah, let's talk about Virginia Tech because um, that's going to be a whole lot more fun. Notre Dame beats Virginia Tech 74 to 66. Um, Marcus Burton leads the way with 16. Braden Shrewsbury has 12. Kevin Jai with a season high 11 points. Um, you know, Burton, in addition to the 16 points, uh, had four rebounds, eight assists, six steals, and only one turnover. He uh, did my fantasy team a real solid uh, this weekend, so I appreciate that. Um, this was just a really fun one to watch, Jay. I mean, we've talked about it, but 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 Burton was just in complete control from the start. You know, this this game more than obviously the Virginia game was sort of a quote unquote bigger win. This game to me felt a lot more sustainable and a lot more like we were watching what Micah Shrewsbury envisions the fully formed product of of this team being. Yeah, I mean, we said uh, with Chris uh, as our guest on the last pod, right? We we feel like we got to win three. Well, we pretty quickly got one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's and, and it was impressive most of the second half. Um, you know, it was, it was a competitive game, but never really truly in doubt in the closing four to eight minutes. Um, pretty good free throw shooting down the stretch. Um, you know, they did not turn the ball over crazy. Um, amazing, you you win the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, God, I just I love the way this team rebounds too. I mean, Duke got rebounded us pr- pretty steadily, but um, the the just rebound by committee effort is um, it's it's consistent. Um, and you know, while Kevin Jai is not going to be someone you know jumping out of the gym and ripping down one handed rebounds, the the guards chip in, and um, I mean Logan Himes chips in, Roper chips in. Those guys are three to five boards a night and they're not, they're not playing even, you know, 20 minutes most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that this one was sort of interesting to me because it, it looked like, and they, I think they even noted it on the broadcast, like it, it looked like Notre Dame was making a much more concerted effort to really attack down low early on and really kind of feed the ball to Kevin and Jai, which, um, you know, I think they said on the broadcast, like Shrewsbury thought, thought they had something there, which um, having watched Notre Dame basketball this season was surprising to me. Um, but, um, but he was right. He was right. You know, this, like I said, I think this was Kev's best game of the season. And I think this is, this is kind of what you're hoping for from him. Um, 11 points on four of seven, um, shooting the, the, the seven field goal attempts was his most since December. Um, so he was definitely more involved in the offense and then six rebounds. Like, you know, like you said, like, I, I still don't think like he is the, uh, the ultimate five for this team when it, when it gets to when it gets back to good. Um, but for this team right now, like this is exactly the kind of game you need out of him, I think. Yeah, I think he's a he's a real X factor for this team in that if he's going to play like this, we're going to win 50% of these games yeah. against the middle of the pack ACC teams. You kind of know what you're going to get from a lot of the guys on this roster. Um, you know, Shrewsbury may be a little bit more hot and cold as you know as most distant shooters are going to be, but you, you know Burton's going to get you, you know, 10 to 20 points. Or more, um, if you can get the accessory scoring that Notre Dame has just not had this year, this is what you're going to get, especially at home. Um, you're you're going to be able to win some of these games. I think he's a super important player. Um, I don't know if we were maybe too quick to write him off. Of course, all it takes is for us to call him out on the pod, and then all of a sudden he's he's pretty pretty nice for a week. Um, we'll see how long it lasts. But uh, he's he's um, he's the type of player where if he can just be moderately effective in there it frees up the offense so much, both in terms of just he can score sometimes and also just more space to operate the offense. Yeah, 100%. And and I also think that, you know, when you talk about, okay, trying to 
make be more intentional about, about getting the ball down to him down low. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of like, you know, okay, we've got, uh, you know, how many games left this year? Seven, seven games left, I guess eight, including that the Virginia Tech game, plus, um, you know, whatever we get in the, in the ACC tournament. Let's see what you got, Keba. Like this is going to, you know, th- these next eight games may, um, you know, play a role. In, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, these next eight games or these next seven games may play a role in determining how Notre Dame attacks the portal this offseason and, you know, what they look for, how high a priority they place on on getting a big man in next year. So, um, you know, I think that that could be part of it too. Um, you know, a couple of other sort of stats to, to tie up. You know, you mentioned the, the turnovers. Um Seven turnovers in this game for Notre Dame, that's the, uh, tied for the fewest on the season, going all the way back to Niagara was the last time, the season opener, last time they only had seven turnovers. Um, lowest uh, turnover um, percentage, or turnover rate, 12.4%. And then also, to go with that, um, tied for the most assists as a team this year with um, with 14, uh, tied with that, that Virginia game um, in South Bend in late December. So, you know, really just sort of much, much better ball handling, ball movement, taking care of the ball. I mean, I think it's telling that you look at some of the advanced numbers and like that game we played in, in Charlottesville a couple of weeks ago, like Notre Dame was better offensively in a lot of metrics in that game. We shot 50% from three, you know, our effective field goal percentage was, was one of the highest of the year. Um, but, you know, they lost and it wasn't even all that close because they turned the ball over 15 times. So, um, you know, it's sort of like, this is the marriage of like being smart with the ball and also um, making your shots, finding good shots, finding good looks that, that you sort of need. You, you, you need when you miss a shot to have it be a rebound, not a fast break the other way immediately. Yeah, um, I was just looking up because I was curious. Um, Virginia Tech, the 81st ranked Ken Palm defense, um, <clears throat> which makes me actually feel even a little bit better. I mean, they... they um, you know, it's not, it's not nothing to go up against a top 100 defense in the ACC play and, and just play a really nice, clean game. Um, they, they didn't shoot the ball very well from three. I mean, Shrewsbury hit four for six, but as a team, seven for 20, 35%. Um, certainly not. Yeah, not Bur- Burton, was o- Burton, was, Burton was 0 for, I think. Yep, 0 for 5. Um, so to, to have a night where you don't rain threes on someone and just get hot and, and still have a... a a pretty comfortable win in the in the final half of the sorry final you know few minutes of the second half without game pressure uh, against a top hundred defense that's that's a, a solid offensive showing which is something I think we can mark down as having you know three or four of those the whole season so nice to get one yeah yeah and I think I think it's also good for this team it, I think it's almost good that like they didn't just get hot from three and and sort of pull away yeah, like in the Virginia win sure. and, and they had to to deal with some of those game situations like I think you know to me the, the, maybe the the key moment of the game that sealed the win was with about seven minutes or so left Virginia Tech had cut it to two um you know Notre, Notre Dame comes down and has a, a good possession move the ball around Burton finds Logan Imes for three and Imes hits it hits it is only three-point attempt of the game and, and that set the lead back up to five and Virginia tech was never that close again. And I think what's telling is like, it, it wasn't a case of like the Virginia tech defense completely broke down and left Logan Imes wide open, or, you know, they, they were sagging off him and dared him to shoot it. Um, like he was open. It was an open three, but it was open within the flow of the offense. And he, he didn't hesitate. He took it. And I think that's like, that's the kind of shot that a guy like Logan Imes needs to take 
and hit for this team to like be really firing on all cylinders. Right. Not to mention like, you know, the next time you play a, a, a Georgia Tech, I think we play Georgia Tech this week. Actually, mm-hmm. next, um, but you you play some of these teams in the ACC in the middle. They're they're going to have to respect them. They're going to have to come out. Okay, now you got more ball rotation that's available, and Burton can get, get more space to go into the rack because they might not help off of Imes. You know, I mean, uh, it's just it's a little thing, a little nuance, but um, can create a, a long term side effect in a positive direction. Yeah, and he's going to be more confident too, and he's he's going to be more you know he's going to be more confident about taking these shots. That again, it's like it's one thing to take a shot when you find yourself totally wide open, and it's like, come on, man, like you got to like you got to shoot this. It's another to to sort of know instantly when you get the ball, this is going up and this is going in. Um, that you know to have that from Logan Imes, who you know I don't, I don't know what what we want to call him, like where he he sits in the rotation right now. I'd say he's been anywhere from like you know, fifth to eighth at various points this year. But but to have that guy who is, you know, not a, a surefire starter, um, you know, that that's huge. Like, that that is just so big. That's what all the, the best sort of college basketball teams have is those guys that will make you pay if um, if you're putting your focus elsewhere. Yeah, and, and it feels um, – what he's doing feels sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he doesn't really – I mean, yeah, great. If he becomes a better player and gets more minutes, fabulous. But, like, he could be exactly who he is right now in two or three years on a legit team that's that's contending for the tournament or, or the ACC title tournament. Um, and he's a helpful piece, like, right now. Yeah, I feel like I've been, like, really, really biting my tongue on making the Steve Vastoria comparison. Um, just, to, just, <laughs> I, think, I think I already have just, one. Just because of just cause I don't want to be like, oh, that's like, oh, oh, like, oh, white guard, Steve Vastoria. Um, <laughs> but that's, I think, less, less so from, like, a style of play i think vesteria was like a little bit longer um yeah. you know obviously sort of had had a little bit more you know i was going to call steve vesteria like super athletic but had a little bit more athleticism but i think just in terms of like the role that they can play on the team is like you want logan imes to like play that role of what steve vesteria did on the 15 team i think yep um, so that's a great great point and then so i think you know the the, the other guy who um you know i really thought took a step forward in this game was Kerry Booth. Um, and, and he just sort of seems to be, um, <laughs> you know, with Kerry Booth, to me, it's it's almost more about moments than anything else where, like, how many times a game does he do something where you're like, what are you thinking? Versus how many times a game does he do something where you're like, holy crap, that was awesome. And the, <laughs> the holy crap, that was awesome is slowly starting to edge out, to catch up. yeah, the, the, yeah, maybe not edge out, but at least catch up with the like, what are you doing? Like his, you know, the sort of situation in the first half where he got the ball, found himself wide open, and then just like took it to the rack and dunked it. Um, you know, that's that's awesome. Like that's we talked we talked last week about like the one sort of worry about the roster and and as it's made up right now and moving forward is like, are we going to have the athleticism that we need to compete with like truly truly top of the sport teams? And that's that athleticism right there, what, what Kerry Booth did. And just bouncing off of Kerry Booth, um, you know, he, he actually had an okay game at Cameron as well. He had three yeah. blocks, um, five rebounds. He also had, I believe it was like an offensive rebound, shake two defenders and dunk it on them. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering, the, I think that was the Duke game, wasn't it? Yeah, no, no, no that's right. Um, and, and I yeah. think that's like... yeah. Those he's, moments are what we're living for right now. With yeah, him. yeah and, and, and having him do it 
like have moments like that in back-to-back games where it's not like, you know, I think earlier in the year there would be stretches where it's like he has a great game, like the Western Carolina game where he got crazy hot from three. Like, that's great. But then you follow that up, um, you know, with uh, with the Auburn game where he went 0 for 4 from the field and, you know, the, the only scored three points. Um, Feels like Kerry Booth and Logan Imes are taking JR's minutes slow and steady. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, it, it does sort of seem that way. Um, which I guess makes sense, right? Like they're younger. I think Booth, you know, Booth probably has the highest, he probably has the highest NBA upside of anyone on the roster. I think he probably has, you know, in terms of as a college player, I think you could argue him and him and Burton in terms of upside. Um, But I think, um, you know, I I don't think we're going to get to a point where Kerry Booth is like, you know, top three player in the rotation this season, but just like keeping, keeping those moments coming so that, you know, we really have something to look forward to next year. Um, and also keeping him engaged. I mean, this is like the sort of the thing with college, college basketball, college sports these days is like, you know, if a guy doesn't feel like, um, doesn't feel like it's working out for him, you, you sort of got to worry about that. And so like keeping him engaged, keeping him in the, in the rotation, I think, um, you know, he's really coming on and it's, it's been really exciting to see. Yeah. It's to your point on the, on the portal and keeping guys happy. Um, I can I, every time I hear that statement, I just think about how unbray that would be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with a short bench and, and you know five guys get thirty six minutes kind of vibes. Um, I don't, you know, I'm sure Bray was like, yeah, you know what, I think I'm okay with the timing of this <laughs> heading out. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> with nil on the portal. He's having a good time down down in Atlanta right now. I have no idea if the Hawks are he good is. or not. They might they might be terrible, but uh, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's enjoying himself, not having to recruit anymore um or shovel snow yeah yeah that too um all right i think that i think that pretty much covers i mean <laughs> i was gonna say the only other um the only other note i had from the virginia tech game was uh marcus burton's steal with about three minutes left where notre dame had just turned it over and then virginia tech was running down for a fast break and then he just like yoinked the ball away from a guy going up for a layup um no notes other than that was really cool <laughs> I mean, Chris Thomas-esque. Yeah. <laughs> the, stat, the stat line in this game. I think the broadcast maybe even pointed it out. Um, you know, the six-steal territory, that's that's Chris Thomas for sure. I remember he had a triple-double with, with like, points, steals, and was it blocks? I mean, I remember <laughs> it being a super weird triple-double that he had back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything uh, anything else from this game for, for you, Jay, before we sort of look at, look at the week ahead for the Irish? Um, no, I think, I think we um, pretty well. It was awesome. It was, uh, it was great to see. I mean, yeah, this is a lot more fun talking about a win than another, uh, another, even a close loss. So, um, you know, moving forward, only one game this week for Notre Dame. They played a Georgia Tech on Wednesday night, a nice little Valentine's Day matchup. Um, you know, when we talk about getting three the rest of the way, this is sort of one of the ones that I think they, they have to have. There's the one game the rest of the way that Ken Palm, um, favors us right now or two point favorites 66 64 um you know georgia techs had a had a little bit of a weird year where they've beaten duke and care like <laughs> they're they have three acc wins and they are against duke clemson and north carolina who are probably the three best teams in the acc I and mean, maybe virginia's in there too but um yeah so you know obviously notre dame beat them down in atlanta in overtime uh about a month ago um, 
you know, I, I, I don't know that a, a whole lot to offer. I think, you know, obviously Miles Kelly went off down there. Um, I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we get in another matchup where these teams have already played each other. They know each other a little bit better, but um, this feels like one that I'm, I'm, you know, trying to keep expectations still in check this year, but this is going to be one that's going to be pretty disappointing to not come away with a win if, if that, if that's how it plays out. Yeah. That alone is, is what makes, I think Wednesday, arguably the most important game left on the schedule. In addition to that, you win that one. Um, now you got a little bit of Mo heading down to Louisville on the road um, in a game where, Obviously, we know uh, where Louisville is and has been in the recent past. So, um, you know, us, Georgia Tech, and Louisville are tied in the basement of the ACC at 3-10. and 10. Uh, It'd be nice to, to um, you know, have a leg up on those teams as we enter the final couple weeks of uh, regular season play. Yeah, although although Louisville has been has gotten like a little frisky recently, they uh, yeah they're they're competitive. Yeah, they they beat Florida State and they lost a two point game against uh, at Syracuse last week in a game that which they basically blew. Yeah, yeah, they they really could have won that game and they beat Georgia Tech this past weekend. So um, you know the, the bottom of the ACC is is pretty interesting and competitive. I mean, I, boy, I'll tell you. I mean, look, you know, I uh, the. The ACC tournament stand and the standings are what they are, but it's really a bummer that Notre Dame lost both of those games against BC because you know you flip even one of those games and then you're talking about okay maybe Notre Dame can sneak like the 11 seed in, in the ACC tournament or something and then you know you yep. can you can win maybe not one maybe maybe even maybe you get maybe you get two games there because um, because you're going to be facing a weaker team on Wednesday. Um, and you'd at least get sort of get that shot at one of the top dogs in, in the quarterfinals. But, um, you know, it looks like it's going to be tough given, I think, the tiebreaker scenarios for Notre Dame to move above um, 13th, which, you know, I, I think Georgia Tech and Louisville are the two teams that Notre Dame's sort of competing with to avoid the uh, the 15th seed in the, in the ACC tournament at this point. Right. I mean, I guess if, if Virginia Tech craters a little bit, um, and we we get another shot at them, you know. We would we could potentially own the tiebreaker there, um, so we could potentially jump them if they have a rough end of the year. But um, yeah, you're you're so right, man. There's there's that middle chunk of the season there. Obviously, we reeled off a whole bunch of losses in a row, um, and and a lot of those games were super winnable. It felt like um, so disappointing, but um, you know we got uh, a little time to uh, be on the upswing and head into the off season with. Some positivity, which would be good. Yeah. Just to complete a thought, Chris Thomas has the <laughs> only, and this is from Wikipedia, folks, so take it with a grain of salt. He the only, still to this day, triple-double in school history. That surprise you, Sam? That and, surprises me. And that, was, that was in his first, that was, wasn't that in his first game? Very first game. 24 yeah. points, 11 assists, and 11 steals. I, I don't think I realized he got it with steals. I think I, I knew, triple-double, first game, I don't think it was, I don't think I knew it was steals. Um, yes, Eleven steals against New Hampshire. Oh man, do you think Burton's going to do that at some? I kind, I kind of think he might. Yeah, I, I, well within reason. Yeah, yeah, especially when we're looking at like the early part of next season and some of the some of the non-conference games. Like, I could see that being the sweet spot of he still has to play enough to to to, get, to rack up those <laughs> stats because you sort of right. need you sort of need to play like thirty five minutes to to just like rack up those kind of numbers. For um, sure. Ooh, that's an interesting like storyline. I, I I think uh, I I think I think he's gonna do it at some point. Well, if he does, we told you first. Folks. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so that's uh, I think that's it for today. Um, 
Jay, I don't know any any final thoughts to leave the folks with. Um, you know, we're we're we're, wait, we're waiting a big snowstorm here in Connecticut, so I'm going to go. Uh, I don't know, lay some salt down or pray that we don't get too much <laughs> overnight tonight. I think uh, things to watch this week, um, obviously against some weaker opponents, um, free throw shooting, turnovers, and assists. Yep. If we can be on the positive end of most of those um, statistics. Um, you know, I, I, I truly feel as though these two games should be W's. Um, and if that happens, um, look out. You got a little momentum going into the end of the year. Maybe you pick off one or two teams that uh, weren't suspecting it. And maybe we can make a little noise in the tournament if uh, the, the boys get some confidence going. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the assist to, and, and I know, I, I feel like we keep saying we're almost done and then I get one more thought. <laughs> but I feel like the assist to me is especially interesting because that, like, a good defense can force you into turnovers. But I, to me, assists has says a lot more about just sort of how you're moving the ball, how you're running your offense, um, and, and so that been single digits and assists repeated. Oh yeah, the year. oh yeah. Um, so the fact that we had 14, I think it was 14 against uh, Virginia Tech, was like, yeah, okay, this is offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- um, exactly. So that was 14 after nine, that. nine against Duke, seven against Pitt. Um, you know, it's again no coincidence. The two times Notre Dame hit fourteen team assists this year were um, the Virginia game uh, at at Notre Dame, the, the Virginia win, obviously, and then um, and then this one against Virginia Tech, which are probably obviously the two best games of the year so far. Um, you know, I'm curious. I, I uh, just 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 for fun, I, I did go back and look up the uh, the twenty the 2015 team. Uh, that team averaged 15.2 assists per game. So uh, av- average for that team still well above the high water mark for this team. Um, but we got a ways to go before we're talking about the best team in Notre Dame basketball history. Uh, in, in, the, in gold my, standard, yeah, the gold standard. The, the gold standard, uh, fitting given the, the tournament uniforms that year. So, all right. Well, um, I don't know. We may be back next weekend. We may uh, switch up the schedule a little bit, given that, that Notre Dame's off next weekend uh, after Georgia Tech. They, they have the week off before playing Louisville, so um, we'll keep you informed. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We're we're seeing the the numbers going up a little bit. Um, you know, it was great having Chris on last week. Numbers going so. up as the team gets worse. Huh. We're doing something right, Sam. Yeah. Well, so but but what about a win? We haven't talked about a win in a while. A win is going to send there us go. send us through the roof. So. Um, <laughs> tell your friends, rate and review, and um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Go three-point Jesus and go Irish.